You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 19, covering Cat's Paw and Eye Mud. Hey everyone, we're back. We're back! We're back with some more episodes for you. Back for outer space. <laughs> back for outer space? Well, yes, we're not from outer space. We're going to talk about it. We are, as a matter of fact. Um, it, we've been made aware that there is a Star Trek The Next Generation uh, porn parody. Like, yeah. Like, like they make. Um, mm-hmm. What makes this one odd is that apparently they're writing it to be in canon. Yeah. Apparently it Which takes place sometime lead- in season six and they're actually paying close attention to continuity issues. Which leads us to a dilemma. Yeah, I guess that means we got to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, on our other show, we once thought as a novelty, we could talk about the uh, the Batman uh, porn parody just because it, it looked kind of cool and it was funny to talk about. But um, I don't know. I'm worried that we're going to be uh, uh, pigeonholed as sort of the... Um... The guys who watch porn together? <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. But on yeah. the other hand, if this is in continuity, then, well, I guess... There's nothing we can do about it. I guess we should talk about it. No, I think it would be funny to uh, to play it straight. To judge it entirely yes. on its canonical merits, yes, and uh, hopefully it will um, it will hold my interest if it gets the star dates wrong or something because uh, that'll that'll <laughs> no, destroy it all this. for me. This is crap. Yeah, I just I can't watch. Also, this. the Romulan shoulder pads aren't wide enough. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, maybe maybe we'll use that new blog we set up for that. Maybe we'll mm. do an extra episode. I don't I don't know how we're gonna do that yet, but. Something will happen, though. We may be talking about that. For now, though, we have our next two episodes. And, uh, hey, yep. I didn't get the horrible one this week. Uh, yeah, lucky, lucky you. Hey, Matt, this how's was... it look under the bus there? Oh, God. So, uh, Cat's Paw Greatest happened. day. Oh, God, well, Cat's Paw. Why don't you tell us all about Cat's Paw, Matt? All right, so this one's a Halloween episode written by Robert Block, the creator of Psycho. So it really has no excuse for being as goddamn terrible as it is. Scotty, Sulu, and Ensign Action Jackson are on a mission to the extremely foggy planet of Fogor 3. Animize tries to beam them back up, but only receives Jackson, who then dies. And then a ghost threatens Kirk from inside of Jackson's mouth. Seriously, a ghost. Kirk, Spock, and Bones beam down to check the planet out, considering but eventually deciding not to bring Ensign Orville Rogers and his Great Dane. They arrive on the planet, and three witches appear, proclaiming Kirk to be Thane of Cawdor. The witches vanish, and the landing party eventually make their way to a large castle, which Spock quickly identifies as belonging to beings from the transsexual Transylvania sector. They enter the castle, follow a black cat, because why not, and then fall down a hole. Starfleet's finest, ladies and gentlemen. They awake chained to, they awake chained to a wall in a dungeon, intermen style. Sulu and Scotty arrive, apparently brainwashed, and lead the landing party to a very lovely throne room where they meet Korob, who appears to be a wizard in the style of Manos the Hands of Fate's master. Korob tries to persuade Kirk to leave, presenting them with first food and then later a precious, uh, a fortune in precious stones, but Kirk doesn't want them because he has all the stout clubs he needs. Then Korob's cat turns into an enormously haired woman named Sylvia, who threatens Kirk by setting the Enterprise on fire. Kirk threatens to bring down more landing parties, so Sylvia seals the Enterprise in Mylar in the best tradition of comic book fans everywhere. The landing party is returned to the dungeon, also in the finest tradition of Intermen, except for McCoy, whom Sylvia lobotomizes. 
She then sends for Kirk and gets creepy and weird and intimate, and they start making out. Sylvia may be one of the greasier women I've ever seen on Star Trek, and all of this is extremely unpleasant, and Koreb watches them both from the other room as he strokes his horrible wizard's beard, and I have to go off and take a shower. Then Sylvia decides that Kirk doesn't really love her after all and turns into a giant black cat here, played by a regular-sized black cat. The giant kitty kills Korab, and, and Kirk steals his enchanted scepter, which I guess Sylvia needs for something? Anyway, it's important. Sylvia threatens Kirk, but she smashes the scepter, and the castle returns to Transylvania, prepare for transit beam, leaving the crew on the planet. They finally see Korab and Sylvia in their true forms, horrible, crappy Muppets, who both die. The end. Thank God. Yeah, we had a bit of debate after we finished watching this one whether it was the worst episode we've seen so far. And I, I think the yeah. Apple still deserves that distinction. Uh, but I think Yeah, this the is, Apple is definitely the worst episode we've seen so far. So far. But this, but this, this, this is, is the stupidest, absolutely. <laughs> this is just, just so dumb. Just blatantly pants on head retarded. <laughs> I mean, the, the concept of the Apple was at least sort of standard Star Trek. They, they beam down to yeah. the planet. There's a, there's a machine god, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, there's some semblance of science fiction there. This is just, uh, hey, we have $5 in budget this week. Can we uh, just go to the old haunted house set? What if we reenacted the plot of a Scooby-Doo episode? Yeah, incidentally, there's a lot more um, obscure references in your summary than usual. <laughs> and I think that just shows how bored you were, that your mind wandered off to uh, finding out what, uh, what Shaggy's real name is. Yep. You dropped a great Macbeth reference in there. And, uh... Incidentally, that was the most research I've also ever done on this show. <laughs> Usually you just look in memory alpha, but here you... Uh, yeah, exactly. You read Shakespeare, no, just... presumably in the original Klingon and everything. No, I just picture, like, this voice starts coming out of out, out of Jackson, and I just picture Bones jumping into Spock's arms. <laughs> While Kirk goes, it's a g g g g ghost Yeah, it was, it just... And, and really, by far, the most low-budget episode we've seen so far. I fear most of season three is going to be like this. When you say yeah. she set the Enterprise on fire, what she did is she took a little model of the Enterprise. Yeah, it was like the keychain I had back in high school. Really? You carried that in your pocket? Well, it for a while. The nacelles didn't, like, stab into your leg? I just, I... Well, eventually they tore a hole in my jeans and fell out, but until then it worked pretty well. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, it was like one of those little, like, maybe like a, a Christmas ornament of the Enterprise or something, and held it over a candle. Yeah. And then you cut back <laughs> to the cut... Enterprise and everyone's sweating. Oh, it's so hot. Yep. Uh, Maybe the heat was what was making Chekhov's wig expand. <laughs> and then you had that guy that's sort of, uh, he's like a cross between Mike Nelson and David Putty from Seinfeld. Yeah. Where he sort of Lieutenant... squinted and looked ahead the whole time with his square, meaty jaw. Yeah, never made eye contact with anyone else on the bridge, just stared off into space. And then that one time like he goes... just come back from Vietnam. <laughs> one time he just goes, eight ball. And uh, that was a little weird. <laughs> But uh, no, it was. It's... Uh, uh, Lieutenant, I have a question. If you got a question, you ask the eight ball. Okay. <laughs> this is why you're going to hell. <laughs> All right. So uh, he was mean to Chekhov, though. So that was nice. Yeah. Well, look, I fully support his be mean to Chekhov uh, agenda. Yeah, absolutely. But no, it was just like. I didn't care about who was up on the ship because all the best characters were down on the planet. And I didn't yep. care what was going on down on the planet because it was just so profoundly retarded. Yep. So I just I wanted it to end so much. <laughs> God, it was so bad. And uh, this, mm, this fucking cat. Oh, then there's the cat. The cat uh, of the of the title. Yeah. His paws feature prominently within this episode. No, there's this scene where, like, we, we have this cat wander, wandering around for a while. And that's weird, but whatever. whatever. But then we have the giant cat, which is done by having a cat 
run down a hallway that sort of looks like the hallway that Kirk is in, only smaller. Yeah, it's it's an effect that uh, anyone, even in 1968, could have done with you know with a bit of chroma key or whatever the whatever they call that. I don't remember now, but it's a it's a very cheap effect that you could do at like a local TV station in those days. It was yeah. not. You know, it was not convincing. It was not... I mean, say what you will about the crappy Muppets at the end. And they weren't great. But at least they tried to make something lo- that looked exotic and alien. It was stupid. Yeah. But that was that was the most they tried in the entire episode. Yeah. it's li- This is literally as if the cast of Star Trek had beamed down to the planet of the Saturday morning movie hour to- talk show hosts. Yeah. It was It was like, uh, you know, oh, blah, very scary. And then you get this... Um, a uh, Korob guy, who's not a Klingon, by the way. No, he just sounds like one on TV. Yeah, um, who looks like he was working the gate at Lollapalooza 92. He's a guy, he's <laughs> like, want... in his 20s, with, like, he's kind of burly, he's bald, he's got one of those stupid, like, strip beards off his chin, just... Uh. Yeah, if you want a picture of Dungeons & Dragons fan from 1970s, you're about right. Yeah, that's that's about right. Uh, mm-hmm. And he had a magic scepter and everything, so... Yep, so a sword and magic helmet. Oh, and uh, magic helmet... Magic helmet? Magic helmet. Um, <laughs> and Sylvia was so aptly named because she looked like somebody's aunt. Oh, God. She was, unfortunately, we're going to see them a lot more of this in season three, where the caliber of, of female actor is, is just like, you know, we've been kind of drooling over the Helen Noels and even like mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the nurse chapels. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the female guest stars later on not so glamorous. And, uh, yeah, we we've been really we've been really enjoying the '60s looking girls. Now we're just going to be getting people who look '60. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not pleasant. And she just at one point she she uh, puts herself in a clown outfit as as if. To oh lower God! What into... was that? She's like, would this please you more? <laughs> just like, no, God, no! Stop it. Go back to hell. Yeah, just horrible, horrible. Like, it's like this big multicolored poncho. Yeah, there's there was exactly one laugh in this entire episode, and that's yeah. when uh, Kirk and Spock and are, are, and Bones are hanging, you know, uh, chained to the wall of the dungeon, much as you pointed out, like in our uh, award-winning webcomic, Intermen. Um, yes. And uh, he looks over, and there's like a skeleton in the foreground. God, I hate that skeleton. And uh, <laughs> and he says, Bones, uh, Doctor. That's it. That's the only laugh. Yeah, that that was really clever. Yeah, although you did point out that uh, that those guys did not appear to be comfortable. Like no, they, they, they they appeared to know that the the premise was ludicrous and just sort of rolled their eyes and got on with it. Yeah, like when they first meet the witches, there's this like it really does look like like they're all just like really this is so stupid. <laughs> and I don't think that was in the script. No, that might have been a directing choice. Like really, this is the script it, you gave me this week. All right. Take this completely seriously. No. <laughs> and as you say, that guy. Should I don't know think we'll be doing that. Robert Block should definitely know better. Didn't he write an episode? Yeah. That seen already. Yeah, he wrote uh, "What a Little Girl's Made Of," which right. was not a bad episode. No, it wasn't like the the you know it won't make my like top ten of the series, but it certainly wasn't like this. Yeah. No, this is embarrassing. And Robert Block is a hell of a good writer. I've got a couple of his short story books. Yeah. Plus and Psycho. This is just. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Psycho, Hell House, this is beneath him. Yeah, he, he should know better. Yeah. But, hey, whatever. <laughs> Maybe they this changed the... it around a lot. Maybe it was one of those Harlan Ellison things where... Uh... Yeah, this is the kind of thing you should be mad about for 50 years. Yeah, exactly. Whereas uh, City on the Edge was still quite great. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from that one line, this one, not so much. Yeah. Oh, so, God. yeah, that was that's a piece of garbage. And unfortunately, I feel like... Uh, 
we're going to get more of these as uh, mostly yeah. season three. But the uh, garbage is piling up against the door now. <laughs> it is. All right. I think it's time to move on to mine, which I worried that uh, I would be getting because it's the return of Harry Mudd. I worried that I'd be getting like it'd be two sort of campy, corny ones in a row. But mine actually turned out to be quite good. So uh, mm-hmm. for a change, I got a good episode. Uh, so the Enterprise welcomes a new crewman, Norman, whom Bones immediately pegs as being one of those walking computer types, you know, like Spock. This feels a bit racist until we discover the dude is actually an android, which he reveals by pulling away his belly skin to show the beeping guts underneath, Bill and Ted style. <laughs> so on top of already being the coolest character on the show, Bones also has mystical robot sensing powers. Cool. Norman hijacks the ship and takes it to what appears to be R- Roger Corby's android factory. I mean, how many purple caves swarming with androids are there in the Federation? There, the crew runs into their old pal, Harcourt Fenton Mod, surprising nobody who read the actual title of the episode. Still, it's good to see the mincing old curly mustache so-and-so, especially considering he's the only actual recurring villain in the series. I know, it amazes me too, but there it is. Mud has declared himself emperor of this planet of androids and rules over nearly infinite copies of some cute chick, though I feel it necessary to point out that she's nowhere near as mind-blowingly hot as old Andrea the Android from the aforementioned uh, What Are Little Girls Made Of. Also, Norman is here, and, well, when he's not wearing a Starfleet uniform, the guy could really use a cod piece. <laughs> or whatever the futuristic equivalent is. Anyway, the androids mean to keep the Enterprise crew on their planet for study and tend to their every whim. Which you'd think Kirk would be fine with, except, oh yeah, they also mean to steal the Enterprise. Diabolical fiends! Kirk eventually works out a variation of the make-the-computer-explode-with-illogic plan. Essentially, it's the old Monty Python bit, confuse a cat. Seriously, for about 10 minutes, we see the crew doing absolutely ridiculous things to befuddle these robots into releasing their grip on them. It's shockingly effective surreal comedy, which this show doesn't do very often. Oh, then Mud is sentenced to a lifetime with 50 android copies of his horrible life. Because poetic justice, that's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. was, I, I mean, sometimes they try to deliberately be funny and it works, and sometimes it falls on its ass. Fortunately, this mm-hmm. is one of the ones that works. I This episode was a lot of fun. It was, and... I prefer, I mean, we both tend to prefer, like, the Doomsday Machine or, like, uh, a mock time. Episodes that are kind of serious with a little bit of levity. But every now and then when they do a light one like this or, like, uh, the forthcoming uh, Trouble with Tribbles, it really works. If it's a a good funny episode, then, you know, great. I'm all for that. Yeah, but Star Trek's always had a hard time with that, and and it goes into the other series as well, like... Well, that, that's the problem, is that they don't do funny very well. No, they played Q for laughs in Next Gen, but apart from that, when they tried to do a funny episode, it just kind of fell flat for me. Yeah. Like, Q was always great. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, and it's weird because I guess Mud is Kirk's Q. Like, I yeah. guess he's the uh, he's the recurring bad guy. It's weird, but uh, nobody else has... has no appeared. one vexes him like this. No, and apparently um, the Klingon captains that they bring back later, they, they wanted to keep bringing back the original guy and he wasn't available. So right. they ended up creating new characters, but uh, Mud. So rather than one, than one grudge against one Klingon, Kirk hates all Klingons. Well, yes. Well, they did kill his son. Those bastards. But we get ahead of ourselves. Um... <clears throat> because you wish it. <laughs> get out! Get out of there, <laughs> Marty! <laughs> Wait. He talked like this. All right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, this episode was really funny. And like I say, there was there's a that lot, whole yeah. last 10 or 15 minutes where they just go bug nuts insane. Oh, God, it was great. Even Spock gets in on the act. There's a bit where he's standing between two identical androids. And he's like, I love you. And he turns to the other one and says, I hate you. But wait, she is the same as me. I know. That is why I hate her. <laughs> I love like trying he... to figure it out. And smoke comes out of their head. 
<laughs> I love when he leans over to Norman and just sort of whispers in his ear. Logic is a tweeting bird in your in your ear. <laughs> and it kind of goes against the whole uh, Vulcans never bluff thing because you know he's not exactly telling the truth with a lot of this stuff. But that, that's a. I, I, I'm starting to think that might be an elaborate myth. <laughs> that might itself be a bluff. Yeah. Oh yeah, we tell humans all the time we don't lie. That's a lie. <laughs> Vulcans actually love irony. Is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, they did. Uh, they did a variation of that old puzzle too, where uh, I never was it. I never tell the truth. I think Scotty did that. I never tell the truth, yep. and then uh, then he said, "I'm lying. lying." But wait, <laughs> if you were lying, then you were telling the truth. But if you, but if you are telling the truth, <laughs> <laughs> so they did. They they pulled out. They, they you know pulled out all the old tricks, like the old uh, blow up the computer tricks. And I really, yeah. if Kirk ever deserved the uh, the computer genocide trophy more mm-hmm. i can't think of an episode you know this is it he wiped out a population of hundreds of thousands of androids and i just love how smug he looks perched on that throne just sort of waving his hands about yep and there's that great uh the, the Chekhov doing his little russian dance and everyone like yep. clapping and Scotty <laughs> drops dead but then he doesn't it's just a lot of great stuff uh, oh god and then for some reason mud decides he's got this horrible wife like everyone in the 60s apparently did Yep. They just married. Sort of your uh, traditional frying pan, frying pin, frying pan or rolling pin carrying. Yeah, with the curlers in the hair and so forth. Um, Caked in uh, cold cream. Yeah, and always always looks about twenty years older than the man she's married to. Yep. Just always angry. Looks like she just mm-hmm. ate a lemon that she's very angry at. Really angry that her husband decided to go become a fish. Yeah, and or uh, wants to read books. Yeah. Or so on and so on. There are so many millions of uh of of uh examples of this but yes. um for some reason he's made an android duplicate of her so he can turn her on let her yell at him for a minute yell at her and turn her back off and shove her back in the closet i i gotta say i kind of get the appeal of that i do but you know of course then it comes back and bites him in the ass at the end where well uh, yes 50 android copies of her I, that was, I wasn't making that up that wasn't a goof nope 50 android copies of his horrible wife yeah, apparently Starfleet has no rule against cruel, cruel and unusual punishment. I guess not. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's awful. Yeah, but, um, they did a good job of. Uh, there, there's a uh, like most of the female models, I guess, were uh, modeled after a woman that he liked or something like that. Uh, there's this sort of uh, slender brunette mm-hmm. uh, that, and I don't know if they got like triplets or twins or if they just cast very similar looking women, but they very effectively pulled off the fact that these were all supposed to be from the same mold. No, they mo- they mostly hired twins. Oh, nice. I read. Yeah, because um, cause there's a bunch of shots where you see like three or four people in the shot, and it looks like all the same person. It was uh, mm-hmm. we're very close. Yes, that was that was a nice, probably cheap practical effect, like you say, like twins and yes. stuff. Um, and I love their little Bizarro name tags too. Oh yeah, they had the they had a little chain around their neck with the number, <laughs> like the like the Bizarro Dracula trophy. Yes, <laughs> very nice. Me, I hate you very much, Captain Kirk. <laughs> No, this was this was a lot of fun. This is yeah. No. If we can't get one like the Doomsday Machine, then really this is the better. You know, this is the alternative to that. I I, I really like Carrie Mudd as a character. I don't know that I could watch him a lot. I think didn't you mention that at one point they wanted to do a spinoff with him? Yes, they were looking at doing a Harry Mudd spinoff, and they asked Roddenberry to do it. And he just wasn't interested. Well. No, I, I mean, it, that's weird because Star Trek was never super popular, first of all. No. Like, it was hard enough keeping it on the air, much less uh, having a spinoff from it. Well, and Assignment Earth was also supposed to be a Star Trek spinoff, as I recall. Oh, that's like Gary Seven, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, I have no idea. Um, then again, I don't really, I'm not super familiar with the landscape of TV in the 60s. Maybe that happened a lot. I don't know. Right. But um, it's very strange to think that, uh, like, what that might have been like. I don't know if I like Mud that much. But, I mean, I do like him as sort of a thorn in the side of, of Kirk. I don't know. I would totally watch a show where he, where he, he travels through space conning people with, with, like, the last android from that planet. See, I'm worried... That... Meets up with Cyrano Jones. <laughs> well, Cyrano Jones is sort of a poor man's Harry Mud. Yes, he's the, he's he'll be in the Tribble episode, which we're doing in a few weeks. But um, I believe that was supposed to be Harry Mud, and they couldn't couldn't get Roger C. Carmel that week. So. Yeah, but he did appear again in the animated series, so three mm. times definitely makes him a recurring villain. And uh, they wanted to bring him back uh, on Next Gen. Really? Yeah, they wanted to have him cryogenically frozen, but and the Enterprise finds him, but uh, apparently. Uh, what was it, Roger Carmelman? Car- Carmel? Ro- Roger Carmel. Yeah, Carmel. He apparently died just before. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. That, that could have been, well, I don't know. I, no, I would have liked to have seen that. I don't care. If it was bad or not, I still would have liked it to exist. I think he would have, and again, he would have been older by this point, but I think he would have mm-hmm. fit better on DS9. Because first of all, that show did a lot more original series nods, but also because putting him against Quark would have been fantastic. That would have been great. You know, con man versus con man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's a lot of fun, and he obviously has fun playing the role. Yes. He's definitely uh, not afraid to chew a little scenery. And it's nope. nice because, really, uh, unless you're doing a super serious, you know, like, actual, like, evil villain, the, the next best thing is to match someone against Kirk who who overacts the same as Shatner does. Yes. You have that same level of, of scenery-chewing ridiculousness. That's why Montalban works so well. Yeah. And it, they they play off each other really well too. I like like I just like the both the two of them a lot. Well, because Kirk can usually boss somebody around or yeah. you know fight them, but with Mud, yeah. there's just a lot of eye rolling and like oh, I'm, I guess I'm trying to this guy. I don't think I'll be doing that, friend Kirk. See, <laughs> so yeah, I really he still hasn't called him that. That's coming, right? No, that's in the animated series. Okay, that's um that is coming up, Captain. Captain Kirk, friend Kirk. <laughs> Which incidentally, I don't know if we've mentioned, but we will definitely be covering that. Yes. After we, the, the plan is to do the original series, then the movie. No, the original series, then the animated series, then the movie. So yeah. roughly chronological. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be getting to those. I consider them canon. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, no, they definitely are. So, yeah. That's your four. Yeah. I, and then I, your I five know. is the novels. Sure, that works. Yeah. So anything else on IMUD or is that? Uh, mm, uh, we've said no, the word. We said the word fun about 700 times, but that's because. It's so fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> All right, so going back to yours, uh, do you have an In the Future for... Uh... Yeah, In the Future! In the Future! Harcourt Fenton Mudd, In the Future! Respected <laughs> actors will pretend to be afraid of house cats. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, and, and for mine, for I'm a... In the Future! In the future. Men will still marry women they hate for some reason. Yep. Uh, quote of the episode? Uh, my quote is the reaction of Spock and Kirk to the three witches that accost them. Spock. Comment. Very bad poetry, Captain. A more useful comment, Mr. Spock. What we've just seen is not real. <laughs> All right, mine, mine is something we've pointed out many times before, but Shatner doing it here is just so much better, hearing mm-hmm. him uh, proclaim his love for his ship. The Enterprise is not a want or a desire. It is a mechanical device. No, it's a beautiful lady, and we love her. See? We were right. Yes, so shut up. 
Yeah. All right. Um, be sure to uh, continue checking postatomichorror.com. I did a, a write-up of some old uh, Star Trek comics there. Matt will be throwing some stuff up probably about the books shortly. Yeah, as soon as I start reading some more of them. Yeah, I mean, you, you actually read real things, too, so, you know. Yes, <laughs> I'm between Trek books at the moment, but uh, it will, they will be calling again. And and we both have some uh, interesting things to discuss. I think at one point we should write sort of a, a mutual um, uh, blog entry about our favorite books because uh yeah i'd like to do like a top five yeah type thing. that'd that'd be fun so keep an eye on that we'll have we'll have some stuff uh shirts are coming very soon i'm actually gonna do what we're gonna do is pre-orders um don't panic we're not gonna steal your money or anything but uh but i'd like to know exactly what sizes to get first so uh yeah there may be a few week delay from taking your money through getting the shirts but uh pre-orders will be happening in the next few weeks so watch for yes that. keep uh, watching the skies the skis i thought it was skis I don't know. Uh, so that's all from us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Next week's uh, lineup is looking really good. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, that's it. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is published weekly and is available via iTunes or on the web at postatomichorror.com. This program is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, and all original material contained herein is their intellectual property unless otherwise noted. All clips and references from Star Trek and related media are used without permission from CBS, Viacom, and or Paramount Pictures. Fair use is assumed for the purposes of review and parody, and the aforementioned co-producers do not receive any form of profit from this effort. Listener feedback can be sent to podcast at postatomichorror.com. An on-air response is guaranteed. 